Do we have the uh, 10,000 and then forevermore crew here this morning? I, um, I absolutely adore that song. Um, I don't know if you're supposed to do that or not with music, but I really do like that. And I, I find it rather profound that it's in my notes. And I didn't know it was going to be a song. Not that God has to be in every part, but I don't mind if he's in some of them. Wait a minute, what am I saying? He's in everything, and I uh, do appreciate that song because it so relates to our psalm this morning. So, knowing that you have your copies of the scripture um, with you this morning, or if not, you can bum a look off your friend, and I think maybe even we got some things that might be on the screen, but open your Bibles to Psalm 138, Psalm 138, and I'll join you in that task as well, Psalm 138. We are blessed to have the copy of God's Word preserved. And so we gladly turn there uh, together this morning. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, a pastor was preaching one morning and uh, things went apparently pretty well according to one woman who was in the congregation. And uh, she went up to the pastor after the sermon. Every pastor likes a big head, you know. And she said, Pastor, uh, thank you for your sermon. I really appreciate that. To which he said, well, praise the Lord. And the woman thought for a minute. She says, well, I was going to, but it wasn't that good. <laughs> well, while we're not looking for compliments as pastors, it is interesting that we get to, we hope, direct the heart of the congregation to the Lord so that as a result of the time we spent together in His Word, you see Him better and have greater reasons to praise Him. So if we can just say from the beginning, that's our goal is to praise the Lord as a result of looking into this psalm. And I think that's a pretty worthy goal, don't you think? Pretty simple. And I would suggest that even as we look through the pages of of the psalms, we would find that being pretty much the direction the psalmist would like us to take. And so with Psalm 138, which I haven't bothered to get there yet because I was talking to you, so pardon me. Psalm uh, 138. And by the way, it's not in Proverbs because that's where I'm at right now. So give me just a second here. Um, Psalm 138. Let's read this psalm together. Ask the Lord's blessing and dive right in then. A psalm of David. I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing praises to you before the gods. I will bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word according to all your name. On the day I called you, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth will give thanks to you, O Lord. When they have heard the words of your mouth, and they will sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is exalted, yet he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me, You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies. 
and your right hand will save me. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Let's pray together. Our great and gracious Heavenly Father, the more we know you, the more we can praise you. We thank you for the life of David, who experienced much with you. We thank you that you called him for your perfect purposes and set in order the eternal reign of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we pray, Father, that uh, we would worship you well as we consider uh, what you've done in the past, deciding in advance to praise you and to be particular about the way we go about that and being specific on the way we remember you and worship you. Thank you for these dear folks who are here. Lord, many are are hurt, um, have trouble in their life, they, they wonder what will happen tomorrow, maybe. And we pray that the, the view that David had with, of you would be a comfort and a direction for them. For those who uh, life is bliss at the moment, we pray that their practice of praise and knowing you now would prepare them for life's difficulties and challenges. But that no matter where we're at, good or bad times, that we would be people who are decided about who you are despite what's going on around us. For your glory, and even the good of others who watch, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. It is an amen. Uh, By the way, just on that note, um, amen means truly. How many of you have a Baptist background? A couple of you. Don't be... It's okay. It's all right. There's, there, no one's watching. There's no film being taped or anything. I'm a Baptist, uh, ordained Baptist pastor, and um, I'm, I'm unashamed about that. But um, I, I do like the different varieties. Um, do we have any Pentecostal, Pentecostal background folks here? From the Pentecostal Church of God or such? Yeah, okay. So, so some of you are Baptists or otherwise are used to little amens here and there. And... Um, I, it does help. It does help a preacher sometimes, like me, to know that I'm on track. If someone says what, that's okay too. I'll just rewind. All right. So um, we are in a season. It's interesting. Uh, I was at the grocery store and I started to see the colors. The colors. Not the color I saw on the boardwalk in Florida as I was walking. I saw some guy walking towards me and he had a hat on. It's pretty profoundly large blue hat. With yellow, as I like to call it, on it, in the shape of an M. And I said, dude, something dropped on your hat from above. He didn't find that very funny. Some of you don't either. I don't know what crowd I'm with. Let me break that down. He was wearing a university, all that state up north. Oh. That state up north. He was wearing that color on his hat. Whoever did that, don't do that. It's my wife. She's very not under my leadership right now. It's just so not part of my sermon notes. He didn't like it, and it was uh, okay that we were going the opposite direction, I suspect. But I saw the colors yesterday. They were in Giant Eagle because they are a proud sponsor. I'm not a Giant Eagle endorser here, I'm just saying. I saw the colors. What are the colors? 
Right, and gray, gray, or also known as scarlet and gray, right? Yeah, we got the, we got the Buckeye color showing. And it, it just reminded me of football and fun, the sound of the drums and football. I even watch my football on TV from time to time. And do you know what sometimes my favorite thing to do in watching football is? Yell and scream and jump up and down. My wife calls it coaching. And if the coaches would just listen to... Well, but I do, I like, I really enjoy seeing young athletes perform at the height of, of their ability and succeed. I like that. I sometimes try to identify with them and hurt myself. Um, but I do, I appreciate that. And it, it's, it's exciting to see people. Anybody watch the Olympics? And, 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 you know, it doesn't really matter whose flag is up. When you see these young athletes perform, you're just like, wow. You can worship God and not, but you made that body. That's pretty cool. But it's really neat to see people who work very hard have success. And we cry with people when they don't, too. Um, and there's a response to that, a lament. Um, but there's a praise when they do well, right? Like, way to go! Good job! And, and so after I jump up and down in my favorite times of sporting events and watching those when I watch it here and there. But you know what? It's interesting, too, that um, not just are we people who like to praise when we see something good. We like to watch it over and over and over again. I still have um, a couple of recorded football games because sometimes I think I'm going to watch, watch them again because they're victories, right? But I also like to use my remote control for rewind with DVR, DVR fans, right? And you can watch it again. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's even a good program you enjoyed watching, you'll rewind it and see that scene again, right? And you'll watch it again because you like to see it. And some things are worth praising and, and finding significance. And we sometimes, like, people like, will like, start reciting lines to movies and others will join in. Or they'll talk about great, fantastic finishes. How many remember Alcola Presents? Fantastic finishes. Anybody here? Come on, a couple of Alcola old. That was like in the 70s. Thought maybe I'd get a couple people. But... My point being, we are people who like to praise. We like to see things go well and say, way to go, and encourage people. That is a part of, oftentimes, our makeup. And so we find that in this psalm, and really in the psalms as a whole. And David, once again, is our example in this psalm of one who praises And I'm a pretty simple person, and I want to keep it simple here as well, because I'd like to think this this psalm might provide for you a little bit of an outline of how you might pray if you're kind of having a hard time doing that. Anybody here have a hard time praying? Okay, now shame the devil and tell the truth. Raise a hand. How many of you have a hard time praying sometimes? I mean, it's hard sometimes. And the Psalms provide for us a guide, sometimes an outline. And so as an additional benefit, not just to uh, see um, praise being done and be taught, but actually an example of how to do it, perhaps, from Psalm 138. So a a couple uh, specific reasons why we should look at this Psalm and be benefited by it. So in this psalm, psalm written by David, verse 1 tells us that, that David wrote this psalm. Uh, We don't know the scenario. We don't know the season of David's life for why he wrote this psalm, but we can speculate, and that's okay. 
We just want to be careful how far we go with it. It could be a psalm in which we find that uh, David is, is running. Uh, there's a verse in the psalm that, that suggests that he's looking towards Jerusalem or, or going back. Or maybe, maybe even another idea is that he came back and he's worshiping in, in, in the presence of God. So it could be a time of which he ran from Absalom's attempt to a coup and returned. We don't really know it. I think, without exhausting all the possibilities, are you ready? Yes. I think this is a really neat song because I think it might relate to when David wanted to build a permanent house for God. Uh, maybe you remember that time. It was a time in which David was thinking about where God was residing. Now, God resided with his people through the ark. Remember, as they were traveling um, through the wilderness, he, he told them to build a tabernacle. And that tabernacle was constructed and then tore down and taken to the next site. Do you remember that? And so David got to the place where he lived in a, a mansion, a castle built. It was a permanent place in Jerusalem. God said he wanted to make his people have a, have a permanency, an established place in Jerusalem from which the nation would, would survive from there. That would be the, the central point, right? But, but after David had built this place, God was still living, if you will, in a tent. And David said, how should I live? He said it in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Why should I be in this place of greatness and God who is the greatest one be in a tent? I want to build him a permanent place, a temple. Great desire, right? And, and, and the prophet Nathaniel said, go for it. And God said, no, don't go for it. And so he said, this is why. And he established there in 2 Samuel chapter 7, the ongoing recognition of the promise to establish David's eternal kingdom, but would do it in the continuation through his son, who would build that permanent place where God would dwell with his people in Jerusalem. Now, think about that. Put yourself in that place for just a minute. You want to do something great. And God says, no. How would you respond to that? I'd be kind of like, come on, God, don't you know? I mean, come on, I got this great idea. But you know what David does in 2 Samuel chapter 7? And I'm shrinking a lot of my message so that I don't really keep us here until 2. I think we're supposed to be done at 1.30. <laughs> so so when, you, when, you, when you read this song, I should have done it, but I'm, I'm not. I'm, read at home this 2 Samuel chapter 7. David just explodes into this, oh, God, you're great. That's a shortcut to that. It's like the cliff notes of the of that that section. And David's just so great, great, great. Expresses such gratitude towards God, and that his desire is able to happen through his progeny. It's just incredible. Now, those of you who are parents can understand. You know, it's really great if your kids do something better than you, right? Or continue on with what you did. And so maybe that's a little bit, I don't know. But we see David like, okay, that's good. You're great, God. And I think that, um, that, that meets up with a lot of different points in the psalm where um, David says that you've, you've enlightened me with your additional word and, and strengthened me by it. And so I think that what David is, is expressing through this psalm might relate really well to Second. Second uh, Samuel chapter seven, um, and, and really eight, but that's not my goal today to look at that in parallel. But it's really a great study if you want to identify with a man who just was really too 
able to identify first and foremost with what God wanted rather than what he wanted. And folks, that's a real difficulty, isn't it? Sometimes not getting what we want hinders our praise. Regardless of the setting in David's life, there was enough that happened in his life that, that could have been a hindrance. Do you have hindrances today that keep you from praising God? Do you have things that happen that are sort of obstacles or hurdles that weren't the things that you had planned? In fact, they were just the opposite. Have you ever had the opposite happen in your life that, that just, it's like, this is really not what I want. And if you, if you were able to look back, maybe you couldn't recognize it then, but if you look back now, you can say, I, I, really, I really wasn't praising God through that really well. That was a hiccup that really got my eyes off of God and really onto my lack of what I want. David gives us um, a pattern here, a, a way in which we can practice praise. So the title of our sermon today is, is, is The Practice of Praise. I want to give you two major areas to consider, to evaluate, if you will, your prayer life, your life as a Christian, to see if you are praising God. Simple, right? It's simple. So we're just looking at this psalm in two big parts. Uh, actually, two parts. One small, and the rest is going to fill up the last point. We'll get as far as we can, and then those of you who, who want to ask more, we'll stay after and have lunch. Actually, we're going swimming, so you can go to the swimming pool with us if you want to go. We'll talk more. But let's get as far as we can in the psalm and see where God moves in our hearts. In the first part, I want us to see that David is a very decisive man of prayer and praise. Would you identify that with me as we look at the first couple of verses in Psalm 138? Psalm 138. I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing praises to you before the gods. I will bow down toward your holy temple. Anybody see that? Let me read it again just to point it out a little bit more. In Sunday school, I sometimes ask our, our, our children to stand up when they hear something or speak up when they see something that identifies the point trying to be made. Feel free. It's okay. I will give you thanks with all my heart. I, I will sing praises to you before the gods. I will bow down toward your holy temple. Do you see the decisiveness of David there? There are two distinct words met together that bring out this reality of the decisiveness of David. And you might say, well, Keith, you're being a little bit. Aren't you just taking a lot of time on this little point here? Couldn't you move on to get along with this sermon a little bit more? No, I can't. I can't do that. Do you see the two words that are met up together? I will David was a very decisive man in his poetry I do wonder if his life met that reality I know that mine needs to I will what will I do? I know I will, but what will it be today, tomorrow, and the next day? Will, how will it relate to God? Will it be something that praises God? I will. You know, folks, I think that if we're going to be people of praise, we've got to decide the one to whom all praise is due. Amen. If we're going to be people of praise, 
we need to decide in advance the one to whom all praise is due. Are you a decisive person when it comes to God? Have you come to the place where you understand God? Folks, there's no need to wait for me to ask you to bow and surrender to Christ right now. I will either live for me or I will live for God. The gospel of the scriptures, the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think is oftentimes best explained by starting with God. Do you know who the God of the Bible is? Is He the creator of the heavens and the earth and you too? Is He a holy God who demands His creation to submit itself to Him? Therein lies the opportunity to submit to Him. To say, I will surrender all to Jesus. That being that God holy and perfect and you are not, because I know looking at you, as good looking as you are, you're not without sin here. Young, young, younger, old, older, even older, there's no perfect person here. When you stand next to a perfect and holy and righteous God who demands you to live up to His standard of holiness, you will fail. Please don't try. Will you surrender to His view of you that says you're not all that in a bag of potato chips? That you need help? Because it is appointed one one time for man to die and then to face his maker. Then to be judged, the Bible tells us. Judged according to what? How you've lived? If If you're going to face God with how you've lived... He's going to condemn you forever. If you go to God on the basis of how good you are, forget it. Will you forget about how good you've lived and look to Jesus who lived the perfect life and gave Himself to God for your sins? Will you accept Jesus Christ for being the one who was crucified, born a virgin, perfect man, lived out to the age of 33? Can you believe it? I mean, that had to have been impossible for any man, and it was, because only God could do it. And He died on the cross for your sins, if you believe in Him. Because on the third day in the grave, He rose again, just as He said He would. And He conquered sin and death. And will you identify with Him and be baptized in His likeness and dying to sin and raising again and be baptized? Will you do that? Will you obey God if you're a Christian and be baptized and join His church as He commands? Will you you be that person who says, I will do it God's way and not my way? Will you surrender today and begin to praise Him? Because the life of a Christian is just not checking a box on a card or showing up to church or being a member. It's about surrendering. Saying, I will stop my way and go His. I will follow Jesus. My way is the wrong way. 
His, his way is the right way. I will go, I will follow him. That's called repentance. It's a change of mind that leads to feet. Amen. Have you trusted in Christ? Do you believe in Jesus Christ today? Because if that's the case, if that's the case this morning, then you will have surrendered. And you will praise God. The byproduct of belief in Jesus Christ is the recognition of God whereby you will praise Him. Are you praising God as a result of surrendering to Him and accepting Jesus? Please believe today the things that we've spoken today. And if you don't know, please ask so that we can communicate these to a better extent to you. That God might work in your life. Because praise begins with, with this reality of a relationship with God whereby, God. you whereby you have decided in advance, He's in control and Keith is not. You are not. So please, ask God to open your mind to this, believer and unbeliever, that you might praise God well. So we can move forward if everybody is in agreement with I will praise Him because this is the movement of the psalm, starting with that reality. And I like to look at this psalm and the continued understanding of that reality. I will, I will, I will. But what's the first I will? He says that He will do. I will give you thanks with all of my heart. I will give you thanks. I will give you praise. Some of you might have praise in your translations. This is what I will do in advance. I will celebrate you. I like the idea that comes out through some of those who've told us what these words mean. It's an idea of celebration. I will celebrate God. Like at a birthday party, if you're celebrating someone's birth, what are you doing? You're elevating them, right? And you're talking about them. They're the showcase. When you live as a, as a, as a Christian, you live as a God-fearer, you are elevating God and celebrating Him. And, the, and to, the, to what extent? To what extent does this take place? With the whole self. And if you look at the text, you see that. You identify with the fact that there's nothing left behind in David. With this whole heart. It's like the greatest commandment, isn't it not? What's the greatest commandment? To love, help me out, to love. And what else? Yeah, and what is the last one? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so this is a decided uh, act of David to praise God and that he's going to be all in. Folks, Christianity, following God, is not one foot in and one foot out. All right? Now, David had experienced that in his life because sometimes following God is like that. It's like, how cold is the water? Right? You're just going to feel it out. And then you decide whether you're going to get in or not. I'm going to feel this thing out. You've heard it said before, try God on. Now, I'd like to tell you that we have Peter telling us that taste and see that the Lord is good. I tell people all the time, get in, read the Word, ask God to open your mind, and let's see what happens because as much as you know, you want to believe. So get in. But, but as you know, God, there's a, there's a commitment, right? And it's two feet in. When you try to live, when you try to straddle God with the world, guess what? The fall is great. The fall is great. And so, and the Scriptures teach that, but keeping it simple to the idea of we want to have our whole self given in. And I think that this is an example uh, of David um, where he talks to us about how to practice praise. Like I have my whole self in. Praise is hindered if it's not in. It's like, a birth- it's like a birthday party, again, using the illustration. It's like when children go to a birthday party and they're not quite sure if they want to give the present away. Right? 
They're not sure they want to give the goods away. This is too valuable. I kind of want to give it, I kind of don't. Okay, so that's just sort of a silly analogy how that might look. And uh, this was a part of, of David's life. I will give thanks to you, even another psalm. He says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify your name forever. This is cited action, that being from Psalm 86, 12. And we see this. This is what God commands the nation of Israel to do. Oh, to spend more time on that aspect. When God leads the people in, uh, we see this being the command He gives in Deuteronomy chapter 6. you remember that? And he leads, he leads the people in. And he tells them how they're to have God as their solo God. Nobody else, right? There's one God. And, and they're to dedicate their lives to God there, okay? To give their whole selves over. And so that is the direction. And that would set them up for success. If, if something else in life, all right, is challenging space in our heart, if you will, Challenging our allegiance to God, then that's a duplistic mind, right? And so we don't, have, we don't want to be double-minded people. We want to be singularly devoted to God. And that is the direction that scriptures teach us. And that's where Jesus would teach the greatest commandment is to have that decided view of the significance of God. To have Him have all of your heart. Uh, when we talk about duplicity and having more things compete for space in our heart, our love and affection, we know that what comes out of our heart is what? What comes out of our heart? Right? Our treasures, right? The heart is a, is a treasure house of a human, right? That's what the heart speaks about in the Bible. It is that place that we hold things dear. And from the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so what we look at in the Scriptures is, is reasons to identify, even if we're giving thanks. What does your heart pour out routinely? What does your heart give out? Does it give out complaints and bitterness, frustration? Have you found yourself this week going, Arr! or, okay, God, you got this, or you're in charge, God? I'm committed to following you. Is that our responses? Uh, are we full of song and prayer? Uh, well, sometimes we have a difficult time in prayer because we don't stop long enough. Right? And sometimes we have a difficult time in prayer because all we do is move during it. Right? And so if we stop long enough to pray and recognize who God is, we praise Him. And I think the praise is picked up throughout the rest of the day because our heart's full of who He is. And we speak it as we go. Amen? Understand? Prayer that ceases in the morning perhaps or at night. And prayer that get up and gets up and goes. Right? And that's the kind of praise. We need to be people full of praise throughout the day with our whole self. A sincere, fully devoted way about ourselves. That's a great point, isn't it? To think about what David just gave us there. This reality of I will with my whole being praise God. And all of us have the ability right now to say, how much of my being have I devoted to praise God this week? We see also in, in this uh, 138, uh, I will sing praises to you before gods. I will sing praises to you uh, before gods. 
this is interesting. I think this ties in a little bit to David's time of life. I think uh, as he was conquering and taking over, uh, there was a lot of opportunities to uh, interact with other deities, if you will, because you interacted with different people. If you conquered a people and then you possessed that territory and that land and that people, guess what they still had? I mean, we could go to Iraq, we could go to Afghanistan, we can go wherever we want to go, but you're not going to replace their flag with ours immediately. Now, some you did. You watched the news, you saw that, but there's still their past. There's still their commitment to their own culture, their own ways. And so in the same way with David, when he would conquer and take over a people as, as they were God's enemies and he brought them in the promised land, there was remnants that needed to be dealt with that David would do that. In chapter 8 of 2 Samuel, you see that. As he conquers. And they had, that had a great influence. But when David looked at his God, he said, my God reigns in my life. And thus he will reign over this people in every conquered land. But he would have to make that decision, right? That would have to be a decided fact. Remember when they were brought into the foreign lands and God would tell them, don't mess with the other gods. Have no other God before me. Even if you say, don't make any graven image of me, that gets confusing too, right? You start worshiping the creation. God wanted no confusion about who he was before the people. And so we, we find the significance of, I will sing praises to you before the gods. And so I think there were lots of opportunities for David to show who God was to the pagan nations that he conquered because ultimately what were all the nations supposed to do because of the witness and testimony of the nation of Israel they were supposed to be they were supposed to communicate they were supposed to bring people to the place of knowing God surrendering right that was the desire of God for his people to do and I will give I will bow down and um and, and I will show people who you are. So the first, we have, I, will, I will give you thanks. I will sing praises before other gods. And I will bow down towards your holy temple. And so what's significant about David bowing down? If I, if I, if I bow down before you right now, if I, if I fall down before one of you right now, that would be showing, and I'm tempted to do so because I know it's like halfway through the sermon right now, and so there's a, there's, a, there's a competition between, between your mind, right? But I'm not going to do anything silly, I promise. But if I were to bow down before you, it would be shocking. But I would be giving you my allegiance. I'd be submitted to you. And you would have rule over me. What, what king would bow to anybody? What national ruler would give up his supremacy, his despotness, if you will, his high place over his people, his conquering power to an unseen deity? David would. Other nations would go, what are you doing? And that's sure they had their deities, they had their, they had their deities, but there was a solidarity to David and God. And there was a submission to him and a lowliness and a humility to him. 
And we could trace this out. We could see those who he conquered who had deities, but they were deities that were made for their own purposes. David is totally sold out for his God and his purposes who wrote the ways of his people. And so he would say, bow down towards your holy temple. And so this place, likely, it could still be talking about the temple. But it is not yet. So there's, there's a challenge here to this, and that is the fact that the temple wasn't built, but the promise was made. And I really like this. A lot of times we see this in Scripture, and I'm just going to make the mention of it, that what God said is going to be, in the mind of those who believe it, guess what? It already is. Right? It's as sure as already happening. Like that place reserved in heaven for you. You're as good as there. Right? And so, so this, is, this is David just realizing... That this is a promise, sure. Now there are some places where um, the word is used to refer to um, to an actual the tent or the tabernacle, but I, I see in relationship to perhaps this promise of God that uh, He would have an eternal kingdom and His Son would continue after Him that, that, and build this place for God. That it refers to that, and so David is excited about that. He will um, have this place before God because wherever God was was a place to show surrender, to show worship, to show submission, to bow down, is the idea there, to show oneself vulnerable before. And so really, really fascinating. David really is helpful to us to show us how to praise God in very specific, decisive ways. And and the question is asked then again of us, are we the type of people who wholeheartedly, sincerely Praise God. Are we the type of people who will sing praises before other people, regardless of what's around us? Is it easy for us to praise God openly? Because that seems to be this is not a church service, right? I don't know. But it does make make me wonder a little bit. When I was a young person, I didn't like to sing. Sometimes I'm an older person, I don't like to sing because I don't have the greatest voice. But when the subject of the matter is greater than the voice of the one singing, I can bellow. You understand what I'm saying? When a greater view of God than myself is understood, I can sing. And guess what? So can you. And so, will, will you be one who sings openly to God? Or will you maybe keep it muffled? And will you worship God in the way He's designed I like this reality. You transition from the old to the new. We don't have a temple anymore. We just don't have a temple. And I'm alright with that. Because he's the new covenant has a new way of relating to his people in the church age. And so, at this time period, there's a greater communication to us about us being the temple. Um, what a huge reality. The God would want to identify with us, condescend in such a way that He would reside within you and me. And to finish the work that He's begun as a result of His presence, right? In our life, His Word, and I don't like to leave out the body of Christ to finish the work that He's begun. 
And so this, this way of, of continuing to bow down before God is, is submitting to the Word of God by the understanding through, through the um, Holy Spirit and, and to be in fellowship to one, with one another, to see accountability given, to encourage one another, to practice the general one another's. And so these are great points for us to consider about our, our praise to God. What is our practice? Does this, does this make up those parts of our life of worship of God? Are we the type of people who are praising God, the practice of praise? Does this make up who you are? I don't want to say it too few times that we leave here today saying, I will, in decisive points of prayer. In times of stillness or times of moving, moving about in our day-to-day life. When we look at Psalm 138, though, sometimes we have to think about, okay, so I've got this I will thing, all right? I, I've got this understanding I need to do this with my whole self, a sincerity. Um, I understand the surrender to, to God, the Holy Spirit, and, and the Word of God, and, and, and to be able to be, um, speak out, sing out about these things. But what is it that really was specific in David's life that made him want to praise God? What were the, what were the, what were the things the, that we could identify? For what reason, David, would you praise God? Right? I mean, don't we kind of want that? These are general. I think we said it been general. Uh, I tell my Sunday school class on a regular basis, I call them mine. They're the tweeners. They're your children, not mine. But, but be specific. Be specific. Look with me at the text, and we'll identify these specifics. These praise, the praise of David, it sees itself uh, things in the past, things in the future, and things right now that promote very specific reasons to praise God. Because remember, what we're looking at is we're looking at the practice of prayer, prayer of praise, and we want to be people who, if we're going to do that, be very specific. And talking to God. All right? If I look at my wife and I say, Wifey, you look good. And she's like, well, why? Why do I look good? I'm like, well, those dangling earrings. How they hug the side of your face. And your hair, it just is perfectly poofy. <laughs> He's always want that bump thing. So, I mean, the, the reality is, is the specificity of it all. I say, what do you like about my physique? Well, I go there. So... When you look at this reality, though, kind of come back with me to this psalm here, and, and we realize that the specifics as it relates to God is more important than even what could transpire between um, two lovebirds in communication. I think God desires this great intimacy, and we see that come out and know God here. And the distance He has from those people who don't know Him, who are haughty. Haughty people don't know God. Lowly people know God. Because they'll submit to Him. They'll surrender. For, David says in verse 2, look at that, the last part, we'll call that 2C, if you will. For you have magnified... Oh, I'm sorry, forgive me. It's 2 It's two B. And we're going to go a little less than that. In verse 2, um, give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For your loving kindness and and your truth. For you have magnified your word according to all your name. On that day I called you, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. 
Okay, do you see the specificity there? Give me a head nod if you do. The specific things that you see in there are those things which cause David not only to praise him in general terms, but in very specific ways. So when you look, when you look at this, these specific ways here, with me just for a minute, we're not going to elaborate on this because each one of these could be its own sermon, right? But get to be your study, should you have the opportunity this week, perhaps. For, in verse 2, uh, your loving kindness. Loving kindness. Loving kindness, chasad in the Hebrew, is this idea of condescending relationship with the people of God, whereby they are the chosen people. So it is a condescending love or kindness of God. Okay? And what makes loving kindness so great is whenever God is in relationship with people, uh, guess who doesn't deserve it? Right? We don't. So when we talk about condescending or lowering, God lowers himself, uh, we, we, we understand that to be the case. And God would always be their defense, always be not only the one who established them, but defend them or keep them around. I mean, look, if there's any group of people who should be extinct from the planet, who are they? The Jews. I mean, they hated and sought after and sought to be exterminated, and God has preserved them. All right, and so... So we know that God is, is that to them, this loving kindness. And we see that come out in some of these other ones as well. So loving kindness. And what else is he grateful for? Truth. Your loving kindness and your truth. God, God didn't hide things from them, half-truths. I tell my kids all the time, if you give a little lie in telling the truth, it's all a lie. Right? It's all a lie. Deception is a lie. God didn't deceive them and lead them down the wrong, wrong path. God is always with them. He, he didn't say, you'll be my people, but I'm going to give, you a, but I'm going to give them up later. There was no backroom talking. It was all up in front. And God was truth. It says in this New Testament, God who cannot lie. If He is a God of truth, He cannot be a God of lies. It's contradictory. If you take one part of God away, His character, you don't have God anymore. Okay? And so, this is the reality. And and David would celebrate these things. He would celebrate the truthfulness of God, to know God. I mean, God God was the God that David could go to. And guess what, folks? God is God you can go to as well. And the means by which you go to Him is the access He's given through Christ, and Christ alone. He's condescended in His loving kindness to send Jesus Christ, His propitiation for your sins, and you say, Oh God, thanks for Jesus! Is there any more simplistic prayer yet profound that we can make? It's true. He's all you need. You're not going to get to heaven and he said, Oh, I left something out. I was hoping you'd find it under the rock. You were warm, but you were still cold. This is not our God. A God of truth. That life and righteousness is found in Christ. In Him alone. And so these are the things that, that were, have become more understood as we look backwards at the cross and we're anticipated in the unknown face of Christ in the person of David. And he always knew that God dealt rightly with him and gave him a direction by which to have a relationship with him. So, so David is, is continuing to be a one who is being specific in his prayer, in his praise, in his psalm. And so he is very, very specific when he talks to God about what he's done. 
So, your loving kindness, your truth. For you have magnified your word according to all your name. Now, this in poetry could be a restatement of the stated above or with just a little bit more emphasis. And I'm going to suggest to you it's just a little bit more emphasis. And I want to suggest to you that David knew that he had an eternal throne, that God was going to carry on his lineage, but he didn't know exactly how it was going to be done. But God continued to reveal a little bit more and a little bit more. And every time, David got a lot more excited. And I think that's how we ought to be. We ought to be when we open up the pages of Scripture and ought to promote praise. Oh, God, I didn't see that before. Or, oh, God, I didn't know how to apply that before because now I have kids or now I work full-time. I have a boss who's a real, you know, and I don't like, you know, whatever. And God teaches you how to deal with conflict and problems. And you say, thank you for direction. This is a true way to go. My flesh is not the right way to go because the anger is not what you want. You want me to submit to your word in your way. And then we'll have peace. Oh God, thank you for the clarity of your word. And so by that, we are able to move forward. And, and David was able to sustain his place as, as a ruler over God's people because he had God continually revealing to him what was needed. Folks, we have the completed revelation of God. Are we not full people? We should be the most satisfied with God of any time period before. We have so much available to us to be full of Him. And live for Him. And to be confident in Him. And go forward for Him. And be mission-minded people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we know truth has been laid at our feet and it's been fully revealed. David was getting more and more. And time and time it would excite him. How much more we today. On the day I called, you answered me. Again, next we see, on the day I called, you answered me. Answered prayer. It can be simple. God answers our prayers. He promised. He will. Do you count on it? David knew the answers of God in his life. You may have seen it yourself. Very specifically, this is, this is not just fortuitous. It, it couldn't have just happened. It wasn't happenstance. This has got God's hands all over it. Yes? The more you pray, the more you see. The less you pray, the less you see. God was a God. David was a God who sought him out. David sought God out in prayer so he could praise him. If you don't seek God out in prayer, guess what? You don't have a lot to praise him for. Right? David knew God through prayer. He saw his answers. Prayerless people don't have a reason to praise God for answered prayer because they don't pray. Simple logic, right? And so, how, how do we identify with it? Are, are we the kind of people who can do that? These are the past realities of David's life. I called and you answered. And there are multiple occasions when David did that that we could look to. And you made me bold with strength in my soul. Perhaps a parallelism again, but the reality is you made me bold. You made me want to go through doors, knock down walls. I'm bold for you, is the idea here. You strengthen me. You give me that which goes forward, that endurance necessary to be the king of your people, the follower of Christ. God gives you the enduring ability to do the things that He's asked you to do. Do you praise Him for it? Or have you taken him up on the opportunity that he's given you to invite you into his work, to see that? And as you do, you'll praise him. And David did that. So this is, this is that past work, this past places 
that provided the practice of prayer for David's prayer life. You, you, you look back, you see what God's done, and when you just sit down in prayer long enough, you start thinking about what He's done already. And you can start thanking Him. These can be a list. You can fill in even more details in your own personal life. And we see, not only does David have a past personal experience, but he has a future hope for others. Do you have a future hope for others? Knowing God's Word on the subject of nations? Is it your greatest desire to see people praise God? To see nations influenced with the gospel of Jesus Christ? You pray for our missionaries and ask God to use them and make His Word known amongst the peoples? I mean, when you're involved in that way, I think David was even as a national leader. Listen to this. All the kings... All the kings, look at that, verse 4. All the kings of the earth will give thanks to you, O Lord, when they have heard the words of your mouth, and they will sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is exalted, yet He regards the lowly, but the haughty He knows from afar. Oh, this is great. I'm not just going to be some solo king singing out the praises of God. The kings, nations, will praise Him. This is what Scriptures call for. We see it in the Old Testament, we see it in the New. And, and, and just because we're limited uh, on a Sunday morning and not the whole day, can we just turn to one passage together as a cross-reference? Um, let's go to Ephesians. And let's do that because some of you know Ephesians chapter, chapter 2 very well. But maybe some of you don't know it real well. So, so children, this is a great time. Even though it's late in the sermon and you kind of get tired and wiggly, open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 2. If you're in my class, you should be looking on your, working on your books of the Bible. And you can find Ephesians chapter 2. And when you go to Ephesians chapter 2, we see some great teaching. We see how bad we are in Ephesians chapter 2, but God intervenes. And we see the greatness of God working in the lives of people. And this is what we see, grace. And so you know verse 8, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in. In them. And there's a reality of wanting to walk in such a way that we are speaking the truths of God and making Him known to all people. That's carrying out the commission. That would be the greatest order, would be the commissional work of Jesus Christ. Now, go to even a better passage which speaks in relationship to kings. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Another chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This is a great chapter. In Philippians chapter 2, are you there? It's just a few, well, actually few. Ephesians, Philippians, right there, right? Right next door, right next door. Chapter 2. Look at, um, this is an example of Jesus who we're supposed to be like. And in this reality um, is the result of what Jesus Christ did as a result of people hearing about who He is, and submitting their lives, deciding in advance to worship Him, they humble themselves before Him. So, speaking of Jesus, God highly, verse 9, look at verse 9, God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name. Okay, that's great. That's, that's God. It's the so that we want to look at. 
Verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, Yeah, right. Total amen to that. Now, here's the thing. Every tongue, in my mind, and I believe it's true to the text, would have to include kings. Okay? Rulers. Whether they want to or not, and that's a different discussion. The reality is, is this is, this is what David is anticipating. This idea is, are the things that David's looking to. Maybe not a direct cross-reference, but we find that one day, every tongue, every knee, this submission, I will, and it must for some, they must, they have no, no choice but to do that. And we do willingly praise the Lord now. And so this, is, this section uh, is talking about the, the praise that all people will bring in the future. And folks, the, the big point I just wanted to bring out from this section is, is you've got to keep that in mind. I can't think of a more specific time in my life where praise needs to occur about a future happening than this reality. Folks, I'm really discouraged when I look at our world, our nation. It's really sad. Now, I can be mad or I can be glad and praise God that one day people will be convinced. But folks, they're not going to be convinced because you and I are going on some political tirade somewhere. I said it the last time I was at this place and I hope I'm not saying it too much. If we aren't speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ, we aren't doing our job. Amen. And we better be careful to speak as much about Jesus, the King of Kings, who does it right, compared to those who are doing it wrong. Amen? Those doing it wrong have done one thing very well for us. Shown us that they need to bow the knee. They will. Everyone will. Does that include your prayer and praise? It should. It should. Don't be hateful. The greatest thing Christians should bring to politics right now is the hope of Jesus Christ. The world needs Him. Let's promote Him. Let's preach Him. Though I walk in the midst of the trouble, you will revive me. Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thy rod, thy staff, they, come on. Comfort me. Yeah, they comfort me. And so as he continues to think about these specific ways to praise God, he's not going to be just stuck in the past. He's not going to just be off in the future. He has a right now to contend with. And so do you. And David realizes that the God of the God of all times, but he needs them right now. Do you need them right now? And if you, you're like, oh, I'm good right now. No, you're not. And if you, but if you're good with Him right now, somebody else needs you to help them show the way. Amen. They need the body of Christ to come around them. You don't know because they're not saying something. I think that David wrote a song like this that the people of God would sing forever because he wanted them to sing it forever. And singing a song without somebody else and knowing why or why they're not singing it doesn't go real far when it comes to personal relationship and praising God. Why are you singing that song, brother, sister? How's life going? Is there anything I can do for you? What's God doing in your life? Though I walk in the midst of the trouble, you will revive me. I understand that. Let's pray about that. 
God has revival in mind for you. He's going to restore your soul. He's not going to leave you out there. He's got a perfect point and purpose for this. I have something on my hand. It's called a callus. My son got his first callus. Well, I'm sorry. He's working on it. It hurts. I'm like, yeah. And so he's like, that hurts. I'm like, yeah. He's like, what are you talking about? It hurts. I'm like, shush, let's go. It works. He's like, I can't work. It hurts. I'm like, yeah, that's the point. Grab the rake. Move. It hurts. I don't care. I don't care. I took a group of college kids down for a mission work. And I gave them a rake and they're like, I don't think they know the top from the bottom. A callus is a gift from God. Difficulty helps you not just hold the rake and not get hurt in the future, but it helps you understand the specific praise you need to give to God because He took you through the waters. And it's able, you're able as a result of that to be in that time of trouble. God, I'll go through with you. Just carry me. But when I, my feet need to be on the ground, God, give me the strength to walk. You did it in the past because David said that. You strengthened my soul in the past. I broke through the, the gates. Though I walk in the midst of the trouble, you will revive me. He is that breath of life. He is that ongoing life-giving source. I will stretch forth my... I'm sorry. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies. The hand of God is always in the Scriptures, pages of Scriptures. He's always working. There's always this extension of God's hands to His people. There's always an extending hand because we don't most of the time. Praise the Lord. He reached down and grabbed us drew us close when we were going the opposite direction. But He still makes His hand available for those who are following Him put their trust in Jesus Christ. Stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies. David had enemies. I mean, think about the fact that he's still cleaning out the land. He gets his promise. It's, we're going to build a permanent place here. But then in chapter 8 of, uh, uh, of 2 Samuel, he's out kicking some more enemy butt. He's out taking out the enemies. He's out... Warring and, and God's given him victory. He had enemies. He had people um, wanting to take over the throne. And he established his kingdom. People were vying for his position, let alone his son later on. So David had all kinds, types of enemies around him. Never mind the satanic influences he had that we may not even see recorded, the pressures that he had. Remember, because David needed to stay around, right? The eternal plan of God came through David. Your right hand will save me. The right hand of God is a hand of deliverance. It's a strong arm. It's a position also of power. And those who would sit on His right hand were a place of significance. Where is Jesus at? Where is Jesus? At the right hand of the throne of the Father. You want the right hand of God working for you. There's Jesus. There's Jesus. Now David didn't understand that then. We, we, We know that. But he knew God was intimately involved. If I stick my hand out to greet you, if I just stick my hand out to greet you, well, that's, that's personal. But when I put my hand to the plow with you, if I put my hand on the boxes that need to be moved your house, if I come and extend myself, my personal self to you, I'm engaged, I'm personal with your life. And this is what David's talking about. This is a reality of God's hands are involved. He's in thick. And that's how David could live in the present because God had not forsaken him. He took God at His word. He would not leave him nor forsake him. This was the comfort. This was the, this was the balm to his soul. Do you have that? Does that produce praise? Thank you for not leaving me. I'm in the thick of it. 
But you got this. And it may not be that jovial, right? It might be more like, oh God, I just glad you said so. Because I wouldn't come up with it on my own right now. I just need to hear it again and again and again. And brother and sister, you need to remind those around you of the same thing. You need to remind one another. That's why we have a counseling ministry. That's why we remind each other of, of truth to move forward on. Now listen to this. This is anchor stuff right here. The boat, the boat will not be swept away when the anchor is set. Here's the anchor. Produces praise. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Okay, where's the hallelujahs? The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. He knows He's going to accomplish and nothing will hinder that. That's hope, folks. That's hope. That's okay. It's just someone's phone. Mine. It's okay. Come back to this. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. God's got me. My life is in His hands, and I'm okay with that. Even when it hurts. Can you praise God for that? Can you praise God? Will you praise God? Will you decide now, when that time comes, and you're living in that place, that you can praise Him? What's concerning you? He'll accomplish what He's got ordained for you. Ordained are your days by the Lord. Not a one of them will be or not be that he hasn't foreordained. Oh, the cross-references come to mind. But, your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Remember that loving, that loving, loving kindness we talked about at the beginning? Same word, same idea. You're here. You're still with me. You haven't left me. You've been down. You're still here. This is what he's talking about. But yet still, the prayer that persists is even there in the request. Do not forsake the works of your hand. It's a prayer according to God's will. It's still a request, but it's buried in praise that knows, that knows the praiseworthiness of God in the past, what he'll do in the present. So as a result of all that, he's got me right now. Can you praise God in that way? Generally, we know he's worthy. But we, are we experiencing him and trusting our lives to him so that he is getting our praise in the midst of the trial? May it be so. Our Father, we thank you that we have been instructed by David. Worthy are you, O Lord, of praise. We look back on our lives and we have much. We like rewind our our life and we look again and again at your goodness. We rewind time and time again, flipping back the pages of Scripture and see your goodness to David. Maybe this psalm reflecting on your great promises to him and your ongoing revealing of what you were going to do. What a great example of responding to you when things are 
at best, different than what we decided. But what a life lived out when hardship, he was confronted with hardship. Some of his own doing, some of just the reality of the nature of your calling in his life. Maybe be content to know you're with us. That you have us. The Father, you will accomplish what concerns me. Because I am yours. May we decide now, O oh Father, that we will be people of praise, that you will have your right place in our lives, and therefore the right place in our prayer. Praising you all the day long. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.